into myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot see Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, uh, Steve Wraith, and we've got Keith Gillespie here. We're waiting on Tino and uh, we're waiting for Carlos, his interpreter as well, who is uh, chasing Tino up. So uh, if we get him, we'll bring him straight on. Uh, but we are just going to crack on with your questions because we've got a hell of a lot of questions. Well, Keith, good evening. How are you doing, mate? Hi, Steve. I'm good. Uh, how's things with you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Obviously, we're having a chat before, uh, before we came on air. I mean, it's just boredom now, isn't it, setting in? Yeah, it is. Um, I think the the good thing is we've we've got football to watch on TV because I think without that, you know, we'd be even more bored. But um, it is what it is at the minute. We just have to get on with things, and hopefully, it won't be too long before we're back to normality. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see us back to normality, but I think I was saying, yeah, I can't see us getting back to football grounds until probably the start of next season if we're really, really lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I tend to agree. Um, as I say, it's it's one of those you have to get on with. You know, it's we we, we want to get past this pandemic as pandemic as quickly as possible. And if that means that we can't go and watch football matches, you know, so be it. So we look forward, I suppose, to the time where we can, you know, get to go and watch live football again. Got to say happy birthday to this man, Kevin Keegan, 70, yeah. uh, 70 years old today. And uh, w- wow, I mean, the man who, you know, essentially brought you to Newcastle, mate. Oh, yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, hard to believe he's 70 as well, but what a, what a man. Um, I think in terms of if you speak to anybody about that sort of generation of the sort of the, the mid-90s, um, you know, and, and a little bit before, um, everybody loved him. Um you know, we we know what the the Newcastle fans thought of him. Yeah, he was a incredible guy to work under. Um, certainly, my most favourite manager. Um, just the style of football he played. You know, I, I've said it many times. You know, many people couldn't tell you who came second in the league two years ago, but they'll always remember Newcastle because of the the style of football that Kevin had his playing. And you know, he was just a joy every day. Going into training was just an absolute joy because it was so enjoyable. Uh, William Hughes says, Hi, Steve, great show. Will from Belfast. Just wanted to say, Keith Gillespie, what a player for the Tombs. Great to watch him play for Glen Torum. I think I was quite average for them. I was a little little bit old by them, but uh, I appreciate your kind words. Um, you know, I love I love my time at, at, at Newcastle especially, but, you know, it was uh, it was nice to actually come back towards the end of my career and, uh, and play in the Irish League. Uh, first question then is from Chippers, and he says, "What do Keith think of Kenny Daglish as a manager?" Yeah, I mean, I've I've spoken about this before, and I know he wasn't very popular with the Newcastle fans. And you know, I look back on it, and and you sort of when when Kevin left, you know, that is such a hard a hard one to follow. You know, it's like following Sir Alex Ferguson at Man United. You know that it takes a, a few managers to get it right, but when you have somebody of the the name of Kenny Daglish, you think, wow. Um, I think people, you know, thought that he dismantled that side. But, you know, in terms of my relationship with him, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I think it has to be remembered as well. You know, he was the one who, who seen us of a line to get us into the champ, Champions League as well. Um, he was obviously the manager that night when, you know, we, we, we beat Barcelona. Um, you know, so he took us to the cup final. Um, you know, so it, it, it was a, a tough one because he was following um, Kevin Keegan. Um, and and I, as I say, I know Newcastle fans, you know, didn't take him um, as much as probably they thought they would when he was appointed. But you know, I can only speak in terms of my personal experiences with him, and he was he was absolutely fantastic. Okay, uh, Spenny Mark says question for Keith: When you left Manchester United, what do you expect when you arrived at Newcastle? Well, I I'd, I'd spoke about this. I've spoken about this before. But I always remember, you know, being a, an apprentice, and it was Newcastle's first season back in the uh, in the Premiership. And I remember them coming to Old Trafford. Uh, we had to go and watch watch games. And uh, I remember Andy Cole scored that day. It was a one all. But I just remember the fans that day. Uh, I'd never, you know, experienced Newcastle fans before. But I just remember the noise they made that day. And. You know, obviously, the following season, um, I played against them quite a few times. I played against them in, in pre-season in a tournament. I played against them in Billy Bingham's testimonial. I played against them up at St James's Park as well in, in, in the League Cup. And then 
scored against them at Old Trafford. So I'd, 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 I'd seen the fans at, at, at first hand on quite a few occasions. So I think when I when I found out about the move and, and you know, when somebody like Kevin Keegan wants you, you know, it's, it's absolutely massive for you. Kevin Keegan, I think, as, as I mentioned before, when, when I talk about players that I played with under Kevin Keegan, you know, Kevin, you know, could could sell the club to you in, in 20 seconds, 10 seconds even. That, and that's what he'd done because before I went in to, to discuss my terms with Newcastle, I had a 20, 30 second conversation with him and he'd sold the club to me in, in that time. And that's, he's, he's just such an infectious character, um, you know, so... Um, it was it was fantastic for me in terms of the, the move, um, you know, coming to a big club like Newcastle. And obviously I was, uh, you know, quite lucky to spend four years there. And, you know, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm disappointed that it, was, that it was only four years uh, because in terms of throughout my whole career, it was my most enjoyable time was, was, was playing the North East. Mark Taylor's got a, a couple of questions. He says, uh, Keith, I read somewhere you still play non-league football. Is it <laughs> is it true? And and what is the comparison to Premier League football? And do you still play right wing? <laughs> I'm actually playing for a team. We, we, during lockdown, a few friends uh, came up with this idea of starting a football team. Uh, we've called it FC Mindwell. And it's all to help uh, people with mental health problems. Um, you know, we, we, we've joined the league. Uh, we've been we were accepted into the league. Um, I'm playing the holding midfield role at, at 45 now. So I am. So it's uh, it's tough because you're sort of playing against young 20 year olds at times. But the whole thing behind it, the concept of the FC Mindwell, was helping. You know, people with mental health problems. We're, we're affiliated to a charity, and we raise money that way as well. Um, we've got plans to build our own stadium. Uh, we've got plans to, to have a women's team as well. Um, so it's it's a great cause to have. The football is is, is enjoyable because you know there, there's there's no thrill. There's no better thrill than going out and playing football. You know, and a lot of boys in, in the in the side who play with me had, had suffered mental health problems, and you know, just to have that, um, you know, three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon where you when you're out playing on the pitch and you're just forgetting about all your worries, that's what it's about. Um, and as I say, it's great as well in terms of we want to raise the profile of, of mental health, and, and we've we've done that already this year. Brilliant stuff, absolutely brilliant. Uh, Mark's other question is, do players get to know how many shirts are sold with their names on them? And the reason he's asking is, he says, I imagine Keith's was popular, especially the long-sleeved shirts. Um, <laughs> he says, although one with a long name, it would be expensive. But, I mean, is that something that you, you get, to know, get to know? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have seen, seen too many with, with my name on the back, especially when there's people like Shearer and Ferdinand and Janola and Beardsley, you know, the the, the big names. Um, so you get a few here and there that you sort of see, but I, I, I doubt mine would have been sort of that popular. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I've never ever yeah. heard anybody no. ask that question. Uh, no. Donaldo on Twitter, he says, um, who was the most skillful player? Was it Tino or Ginola? Now, because Tino's not here at the minute, you can, you can answer this honestly. <laughs> no, I, I do think it was Tino. I mean, Ginola was, was superb. And, you know, that one that, you know, when Bez used to play it in his feet and he used to just take the touch and then just pull away from from the fullback who was who was right up his arse really um you know so he he was phenomenal but Tino just had tricks at times you watched him train and you're thinking how did he do that um I think there's probably times Tino didn't know how how he did it as well that's the sort of feeling we got but you know he was uh, he was a joy to play with he was great he was great to have around the dressing room Tino because I think as you know when you see him he's always got a smile on his face you know and he played football with a smile and you know, he made hap- he made people happy because of the the way that he played football. Yeah, Mark asks, uh, how much of a say did you have in the Andy Cole part exchange deal? He said it turned out to be a great deal for Newcastle. Yeah, no. To be fair, it, it was my decision at the end of it. You know, I, it was obviously the proposal was put to me, um, and Kevin stated that the only way the deal would happen was if I agreed to it. I could have. You know, turned that down and, and try to step Man United, but I just thought it was a great opportunity for me um, to go and play regular first team football. You know, and Kevin, when I did speak to him, um, you know, he did mention about the plans that he had. You know, he's obviously sold his top his top striker, and and you know, fans obviously weren't happy about that at the time. But then you look at what he did six months later. He goes out and buys Les. Another year later, he goes out and buys Alan Shearer. You know, so there was always um, there were, there was always a plan, and what Kevin. 
you know, wanted to do. Um, and as I say, people weren't happy. And there's not many f- managers would have come out and stood in those steps at St James's Park. And you know, by the end of the conversation, he had the fans backing. You know that he he made this decision to take Newcastle forward. It, it maybe didn't look like it at that time, but I think when you look further down the line, he he he, he was perfectly right because of the players that he then brought in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sam says, "Is Keegan the best manager that you played for, Keith?" Yeah, certainly my most favourite. And you know, I think when you look at the managers that I had, and I went from Sir Alex Ferguson to, to Kevin Keegan to Kenny Dalglish, um, you know, Graham Souness, Ruud Hullet, you know, some some massive names. But Keegan was just, you know, as my management, you know, it's just was just incredible. It's a, it's a great trait to have because team talks. I, you know, I've been at clubs after Newcastle and team talks, you can go into them and they can last 30, 40 minutes, you know, and they just go on and on and on. And, and Kevin's team talks, you go in and they'll be two, three minutes long. And, and Kevin's, what Kevin would do then was he'd go around the players individually and chat to them, you know, in the dressing room after the team talk and put an arm around you. And, you know, within 10 seconds, he could make you feel like the best player in the world and, you, and you'd want to run through a brick wall for him, you know, and that's what made him so unique. And, as I say, those other managers that I've mentioned are massive names, and, and for me, Kevin was just was, was top of those. Yeah, definitely a different class. And uh, usually, when you ask that question to the people who played in the entertainers uh, team, you know they all have the same answer. But a uh, great question. Ross Smith says, "Steve, my question about Keith is, uh, how did you find out that Newcastle wanted to sign you um, in that swap move with Andy Cole?" Yeah, well, I, I was away at Bramall Lane that night. Man uh, United were playing um, Sheffield United, the FA Cup, and I actually thought I was going to start. I'd played the previous league game, um, so I thought I was maybe starting. Um, and then the team was announced, subs were announced. I wasn't involved, so so uh, Sir Alex Ferguson pulled me aside, explained the situation. I think Kevin had asked that I would not be involved, you know, because I would then cup tight, um, so. That was sort of the reasoning behind that. But, you know, Sir Alex took me aside before the game, explained the situation and told me to think about it. You know, so I watched the game and obviously a lot going through your mind. You know, I grew up a Man United fan. I'm going to the game thinking and playing. I have this conversation. All of a sudden, you're thinking about leading the club. And that's how, you know, quickly things can change in football. So I thought about it. And, you know, by the time I, I, I actually came in after the dressing room. I actually spoke to Steve Bruce, spoke to Brian McClare, spoke to Brian Robson. They said it was a great opportunity for me. And and Steve Bruce especially said it was a great opportunity for me. Um he was actually quite envious of the fact that I was, you know, had the chance to go and play for Newcastle. So um, you know, having those people to speak to, you know, big big players, senior players, you know, I had Andre Kinchelskis in front of me at the time. So Things were were difficult, um, you know, to to try and dislodge him. But you know, for me, it was a, it was the best decision ever made. Um, you know, because I I thoroughly enjoyed the time that I had up in Tyneside. Mo Chugs, he says, uh, what was the dressing room feeling like on the night that we beat Barcelona three two at St James's Park? Yeah, it was like it was incredible. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the draw and you're thinking, right. We want to get one of these big boys, and then you realise that that is our first game in the Champions League. It's Barcelona at home at a, at a Pax and James's. Um, you know, you're standing in the tunnel and you're looking at their players, and you're seeing the Rivaldos and the Figos and the Luis Enriquez, De La Pena. You know, they were they were still a fantastic side. Um, you know, so I think we just uh, we just started right that night. Um, everything clicked for us. Uh, well, especially for me, especially for Tino. Um, you know, looking back, and you sort of you sort of see the highlights of the game, and you know when they come back to three two, I think it would have been an absolute travesty if they'd have got the third and equalised. But thankfully, we held on, and you know, for me, that was the best atmosphere I've ever been involved in um, at any match. Um, you know, the noise that night, playing the Champions League, you hear the Champions League music, even. Um, you know, it was just a, it was an incredible feeling, and especially in the dressing room after the game. You know, what we realised we'd done. You you know we'd we'd gone out in our first Champions League game and we beat the mighty Barcelona. And unfortunately, you know things didn't work out for us in the group. But I, I think looking back, that is always something we'll have in terms of the the performance that night. 
Yes, kids, we did used to be in the Champions League for those who uh, aren't old enough to remember. <laughs> mad, mad times, great days. But uh, yeah, hairs on the back of your neck when you're standing watching your team come out to that uh, Champions League music. You never know, one day it might happen again. Mark Taylor says, uh, hi, Keith. How did you rate yourself against David Beckham as a youngster at Man United? And he said, who was right wing in the youth side that you both played in? Well, I, I was the right winger. David Beckham was the centre midfielder. Um you know, he played in in centre midfield alongside Nicky Butt, um, and that was his preferred position. And w- w- when I signed for Newcastle, and, and then six months for, further down the line, Kachalskis had left Man United. You know, they put a bid in. New, Man United put a bid in to, to Newcastle, four million to bring me back. And uh, Kevin obviously turned that down. So that was how David Beckham then got moved to the right wing and became a permanent fixture. And we all know the. You know his trademark crosses that he put in, but he never he never was a winger in terms of getting the ball like like I would and running at players and and, and trying to get to the byline. You know he he was a different type of player, but certainly he was a centre midfielder and that was the position that he wanted to play. But you know he obviously made his name more so playing out in that right right hand side. Andre, I'm I'm really surprised he's even asked this question. He says, "Who's been with more girls in the tune, Keith or Tino?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what Tino got up to, so I, I, I possibly couldn't answer that. But I, did, I, I certainly I did okay in my time there. Yeah, you did, mate. You definitely did. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on swiftly with Sean Mindo's question. He says, "Who in the current team would you compare to yourselves?" That's just it's a strange one, that. But um, is there anybody in the team who you would say you're similar to? Yeah, well, I, I think in terms of even you know not just Newcastle. I think in terms of Premiership. The way the Premiership's gone, I, you know, nobody really plays that out, out, out and out wingers four four two. You know, so Maxman, you know, he's a different type of player than, than me. He's 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 the closest thing probably that they have to a winger. You know, in terms of he's a lot trickier than me. Um, I was just a lot more direct. I don't think in terms of the players that we have at Newcastle at the minute, we we don't really have anybody else who is really direct who wants to get to the byline, who wants to get crosses in. That was a, that was my job back then because if you didn't, you had Alan Shearer, you had Les Ferdinand, you know, giving off to you because they thrived on crosses. I don't think a lot of clubs play that sort of system anymore, where they where they want to, you know, get the ball wide, get players running at fullbacks and get balls in the box. So, you know, it's it, there's probably not many would have been similar to me at Newcastle, you know, nowadays. Okay, Anthony Lewin says, uh, do you think if you hadn't been injured against Man United away uh, that we would have won the league? Um, he personally <laughs> felt that we missed his wing, uh, missed your wing play when you weren't there and the Ferdinand suffered as a result. He's just curious on your uh, take on that. Oh, I totally agree. Definitely. <laughs> um, no, I, I think what happened with me getting injured and then I was out for about five weeks, but it was, yeah, I was sort of rushed back in a sense and... Maybe didn't hit the heights that it hit before that, but in terms of the balance of the side, you know, we brought Tino in. Uh, Peter was moved to the right wing, and Peter's an unbelievable player, one of the best ever played with. But he's, Peter's not a right winger, and everybody knows that. Um, you know, he wasn't going to be the one to sort of, you know, get down the line and get balls in for for Les like like I was. So you know, maybe maybe the balance of the team did suffer suffer a bit. Um, you know, it's 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 all hindsight. You know, you know, we we could have done that and could have went on to win the league, but you know, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Man United, you know, fair play, then they came with an unbelievable run, which you know was demoralising every week because we used to come in and we used to ask the score, and it was always one nil Cantona, and you know, they just clawed back at that lead, and you know, we've we had so many disappointments towards the end, you know, but the the big one for me was Man United at home. If if, if we win that game, which we deserve to do. You know, I think we'd have gone on won the league. You go away to Anfield, you concede three. We don't get anything. You know, we're one nil up with less than ten minutes to go at Blackburn, and we don't win. You know, there's there's certain factors, but I think looking back, you know, it was just an incredible season. You know, great for Newcastle fans at that time. You, th- you think about our home form: nineteen home games, seventeen wins, a draw, and a defeat. And as I say, the defeat was the one where Peter Schmeichel was man of the match. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great time, um, and just you know, sad that we couldn't go over the line because I honestly feel that if we did do that, Newcastle then with with Kevin behind him, we had the capabilities of of going and being a regular top four side. 
uh, every season, you know, with with someone like Kevin, because he would have demanded more. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we just we just didn't get over the line. Yeah, Darren says, uh, Keith, uh, did you play at Manchester United with Steve Bruce, and what did you think? And what do you think of the job he's doing at Newcastle? I did play with him. Um, you know, he was one of the senior players, and he was great with the young lads. Um, you know, he was a, a fantastic player. You know, what? It wasn't the quickest player, but I think when you have a defender beside you who, who can compliment you, like Gary Pallister could. You know, with with his pace, that's what you need. You need sort of players who complement each other. Um, I think it's been tough for him at, at Newcastle. I, I, I don't think he's got the, the greatest squad. Um, football at times has been really dire. There's been certain performances been really good. You sort of think, you look at the Everton performance a few weeks ago. You know, we started creating chances. You know, you look back and and Callum Wilson could have scored five. You know, because he's 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 hit the crossbar. He scored two. Um, he's hit the post towards the end, and he's he's probably missed the easiest chance when he put it wide, you know. And that, and and that's that's what you want to see. You want to see Newcastle creating chances because too many times this season, they uh, they just don't create enough. Um, there isn't enough creativity in there. Um, I'm hoping with you know the, the young lad Willock coming in that that might change. You have a a young player who can get box to box and and. You know, we've seen that he popped up straight away with his first goal in the, in the last game. And they showed a real togetherness in, the, in that last game because I was watching it and I was thinking, oh, it's just a matter of time before Southampton get the equaliser. But it was a real tough, gritty performance in terms of people throwing their their bodies in front of balls. And, and that's something that we, we haven't seen enough of this season. Um, you know, so it's... He's he's done an okay job, Brucey. You know, but in terms of what Newcastle should be aiming for, they should be aiming for a lot, lot higher. You know, I think in terms of the the owner, we know what the owner's all about. He's just happy with staying in, in the Premier League, and for Newcastle fans, that's not enough. For the size of that club, they need to be further up that table, challenging for for European places. And you know, you only have to look at, at clubs that are actually doing that at the minute. You know, you, the likes of your Aston Villas. Everton are there, you know, why Why can Newcastle not go and do that? Why can't they go and get players in who's going to improve the side? Um, I don't think, I think Callum Wilson's been a great signing. I don't, yeah. Jamal Lewis has, has struggled at times. Fraser hasn't really done an awful lot. Hendrick hasn't really done much. So the, the signings haven't been great apart from Callum Wilson. Um, you know, so if you don't improve the side, that, you know, from last season, you are going to struggle. Yeah, I agree. Uh, El Nobo says, I loved watching Keith. He was one of my favourite players at the time. I was gutted to hear about his bust up with Shearer. Did he catch you with a good one, he says? <laughs> he did. He did. It was a, you know, it was one of those boys will be boys, you know, too much drink taken on board. And, you know, after, you know, I'd, it obviously hit me, but I'd fell and, and had a plant pot. So that was the problem where I'd cracked, the, you know, my head and I'd, I was unconscious then. There was blood everywhere. So I had to spend the night in hospital. But getting back to the hotel the next day, you know, the first knock at the door, it was Alan, um, you know, to see how I was. Um, and we laughed about it. And I, I, I go on a, a golf trip every year, obviously cancelled last year. And Alan captains the footballers against the cricketers. And, you know, we always laugh about it. Um, you know, and there was never any, there was never any problem. You know, between Alan and I, you know, that was just the one, the one occasion. We never had a problem after that, and I, I enjoy his company. He's he's good crack. He's good fun. He's got good banter. Um, you know, and he enjoys a laugh. And you know, people obviously think that there there was obviously an, an ongoing problem, but there never ever was. And as I say, it was just a, one of those two drink, too many drinks taken on board that day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jason Carter asked about Tino's coat. Um, he doesn't have it anymore. He brought it. In, he brought it to Newcastle to sell, and uh, we did find a willing buyer. Uh, I think they paid two thousand pound for it, and it's hanging in Doris Hall in a large frame somewhere in someone's house. So uh, they are the proud owners of it. I did manage to get a photo with wearing that coat when he brought it over. But uh, yeah, long gone that, and uh, Tino, did, Tino did sell it. As is his football shirt. Um, bizarrely, um, the shirt that he wore in a game one of my friends actually was given that shirt and uh, they gave it away 
to somebody. Uh, wow. I think they gave it to a taxi driver. They weren't a football fan. They gave it to a <laughs> taxi driver, and uh, they definitely regret giving that shirt away because, uh, as we've seen with Alan Shearer, these shirts can make a lot of money for charity. Over a hundred thousand pound with the Alan Shearer raffle this week. Uh, in in its first week, uh, we're still a couple of weeks to go as well. So don't forget, pop on Alan's uh, Twitter account, um, get yourself onto the Givergy page, and uh, get yourself a ticket. Uh, you can win his match shirt, his boots. Uh, and his captain's armband, and all of that money is going to the Alan Shearer Foundation, and it's it's you know desperately needs that money. Yeah, they've lost all their events, and probably will lose all their events again this year uh, with the way things are going. And um, Tom Dixon says, do you plan on doing any more books, Keith? Oh, definitely not. I think once was enough. Um, it took a couple of years to to write it as well, but um, I think you only when you're doing autobiography, one's enough. I know people bring out sequels and all that. There, that's that's not for me. Um, in terms of what I wanted to do, I wanted a watch and all story, which I think I achieved. Um, Brilliant. I think um, the credibility that you get with people seeing how honest you can be is is, is there. Um, I've never really had, and in fact, I've never had one negative comment towards me regarding the book on Twitter, which you know you normally expect, you know, some keyboard warrior at some stage to to have a go at you, but I can honestly say not one in in the time that it's been out. So. Um, yep, no, no plans. One, one was enough, and you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't got up to any sort of any more misdemeanors to write about anyway over the over the last few years. I think uh, in my football career, in terms of the misdemeanors I got up to, <laughs> that time was enough. Quiet life now, mate. Quiet. Oh life. yeah, exactly. Big shout out to our sponsor, Spider VPN, who are sponsoring uh, the StreamYard application this month. And acutexshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle. Also making our t-shirts, which you can get at newcastlelegends.com. And last but by no means least, a big shout out to John from Jab Signature, who makes all the posters and the flyers. Still no word from Tino, but... Uh, there's still time. Uh, he might still end up, uh, st- you know, stumbling onto the program at some point. But it is uh, ten o'clock in the morning uh, in Colombia, I think now, or half past ten. So if he comes, we'll get him on. If not, it's great to have Keith on. And most of the questions are for Keith anyway, which is uh, which is great. So keep them coming in. You've got another half an hour to uh, ask. Keith, whatever you want to ask him. Jeff Carter says, great to see Keith. We always loved a good crosser of the ball. Keith Rowell says, uh, afternoon, Stephen Keith. Keith, do you ever cha- did you ever have the chance to play abroad in Italy, Spain, etc.? No, I didn't. Um, you know, I was sort of happy playing in the, in the English league. You know, that was, for me, the English Premier League was was the league that you wanted to be playing in. Um, I think after the Barcelona game that time, there was, you know, links in terms of newspaper reports linking me with the likes of Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid. And, you know, you sort of look uh, just over a year later, I went to Blackburn. So not much difference there, but um, the, uh, there was never anybody come in for me from, from that country. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, going to a foreign country can be very difficult. Um, you know, when you're used to the sort of the way the Premier League is, you know, it's a lot faster for me than, than what the, those leagues are, you know, the build-up play can be a lot slower for me in, in the likes of Spain and in Italy. So I was happy enough to, to sort of apply my trade in the in the English divisions. Yeah, uh, Andre, he's on a run tonight. He says, hi guys, does Keith fancy a rematch with Shearer in Dublin? He seems in great shape. Also, <laughs> Shearer's 50 now. <laughs> <laughs> I still wouldn't fancy my chances, so I'll give up when I miss. <laughs> David Collins says, what a night, Dreamland. St. James's Park was rocking 3-0 up against Barcelona, one of the best games I've ever seen. Perfect hat-trick from Tino. Keith was absolutely flying that night. It's a, does it amaze you still how you know how the fans react to that game? I mean, we 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 you know we've done watchbacks and you know the club, the official club did a watchback during the uh during lockdown, the very first lockdown, and people still love it. It's it, you know, got a replay on, I think it was a you know, twenty-minute version on Sky last year, I think, and mm-hmm. I think the viewing figures went through the roof for it. Does it still amaze you how how much that game, you know, attracts the fans to watch it? Probably not, because I, I know what the I know what the Geordies are like. You know, they just love football, and you know, looking looking back, you know, to a game like that, you know, is is fantastic for them, especially those people that were, that were there that night. You know, you you sort of look at people who were there and they're telling their kids, you know, I was there that night in terms of beating the mighty Barcelona. So it doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, it's it's great to sort of look back on. Incredible to sort of think that it's are we sort of twenty, nearly twenty four years ago, uh, which is just you know scary 
But, you know, in terms of what the the majority of people have been through in terms of since then, they've been, you know, an up and down club at times. They've had some good times, obviously, with Bobby Robson. um, They had a a good season with Alan Pardew, where they think they came fifth. But other than that, it's been, you know, pretty average at times. So it's it's great for them that they can look back and, and remember times like that. And even the 95, 96 season, you know, looking back and you, you see the highlights there when, you know, we're playing club. The one that I, I see quite regularly people putting up is the is this Wimbledon game when Finney Jones ended up going on goals. I see that quite a lot coming up. And, you know, just the football we played that day in terms of the chances, you know, we win 6-1, but, you know, it could have been double figures. And, and that was... That was a lot that season, you know. In terms of teams we played, we we could have scored so many more, you know, because of the style of football that we did play. Yeah, Jason Carter says, "Who was your favourite teammate while you were at Newcastle, and which current Newcastle player would you put into the team uh, of the entertainers?" Um, I, you know, I love I loved playing with Les. You know, he was an absolute dream because I think you know he can make he can make bad balls look look like good balls, um, and. You know, he was the best. He was the best header of a ball there was. Um, so you get that ball in that box, and more times than not, he will he will get in the end of it. Um, you know, but in, in terms of others, you know, Peter was great to play with. I lo- I, I loved playing with Warren uh, because Warren, you know, just fed me the ball. You know, and he he he, he was a great athlete, Warren. But you know. In terms of if he knew you had the beating of that fullback, he would just constantly give you the ball. And I think, you know, looking at the um, the Barcelona one after the third goal, I think a couple of minutes later, I think Warren's running with the ball. He just lays it in front of me and says, "Go on!" And across one again, and the goalkeeper made a great save from Tino. And that's what Warren did. You know, he just gave you the ball, and that's what you want as a winger. Um, you want to be fed the ball. Um, in terms of players playing now, yeah, I don't think there's any would get in the side. Yeah, um, I'd be surprised if if anybody would say that there's there's anybody could could get in that side. I think Warren quite fancied ASM. You know, I think he thought some maximum. You know, you said we could have got him, we could have got him, and he could have been part of it. But you know, it, it's yeah, uh, yeah. But but would you rather have him than Janola? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? That's the <laughs> thing you've got to ask. Yeah, it's it's who you're sort of comparing him to. Um, you know, so. It was uh, it was a really good good squad we had there, and 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 you look back and you sort of think, you know, this is at a time when we're sort of using was it three subs? Yeah. At the beginning, I think you know, so it just goes to show, you know, it's a bigger sort of squad that they have now. Yeah, it is. It is. Roger Cook says uh, massive respect, Keith, for the team that you've set up. Uh, just what we we're talking about Appreciate a little that. bit earlier. Martin says no fullback in the world would have coped with Keith on the Barcelona night, and he he is right there. Uh, Mo just says hi uh, and hopes that you're well. Uh, Mo Chugs then says uh, respect for everything that you're doing with mental health. It's been a big, big part of this lockdown, hasn't it? In this whole pandemic, uh, mental health, Keith. It has. People are people are struggling. Um, there's no doubt about that. So, I think um, I think 10, 15 years ago, I think that the sort of term mental health, you know, nobody really sort of took much notice of it. And you know, you get more footballers coming out and, and talking about mental health problems. And as I say, 10, 15 years ago, that would have seen that would have been like a weakness, seen as a weakness. Now it's sort of seen as a brave thing to come out and talk about that, which is you know turned full circle. So that's that's great. You know, you want to you want to help as many as you can. Um, you know, because people are struggling. Um, you want to get the word out there. You know, and keep spreading it. You know that there is people there to talk to and, and and help you with problems that you do have. So, yeah, as I said, it's a, it's a great project I'm involved in, and and hopefully, you know, we can uh, we can touch a lot more people with it. Yeah, Jason Carter says, uh, "What's your views on ASM? Does he remind you of Tino in some ways? He is a bit unpredictable." Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I I love watching him at times, you know, because he's he's so strong and powerful with with the ball as well. Um, you know, obviously there's times where he, you know, he can frustrate you, but he is that one sort of spark at times where you're thinking, get the ball to him, you know, because it, for, for me, he's probably one who's not fit enough because he very rarely, you know, goes plays ninety minutes, you know, and you and you want him flying for 90 minutes you know when teams are struggling towards the end and I know he has had you know injuries and, and what have you not sure whether he had COVID as well um, you know so he is he is an exciting player to watch um, and, and one that you know you want to be on the pitch because you know I think Newcastle are 
a better side with him on the pitch, you know, because there is more creativity with him. Ross Smith says uh, on Twitter, he says, I've got another question, Keith. How how were you spotted in Northern Ireland to get to Man United as a youth player? Um, I was spotted just as a, as a young lad playing for a local team, um, as, as a sort of 12-year-old. And then you get invited to the Man United School of Excellence, which was held in Belfast every Wednesday night. And then within sort of five, six months, you know, the Man United scout, you know, sent me across to Man United on trial and went over on Easter holidays and, and they wanted to sign me straight away. So I signed, you know, when I was 13, it became official, you know, when I was 14, because you can't sort of make it official until your 14th birthday. And and, and I was a, at a guaranteed two-year apprenticeship when I hit 16 and left school to go over. So that's pretty much you know, how it, how it all began. You go over when you're 16 then and, and you do your utmost to get a professional contract. And, you know, looking back, I was obviously very fortunate the fact that I was part of a really good youth side uh, with, you know, Beckham Skulls, Nicky Butt, Gary Neville, you know, Ben Thorne, you know, some some great players. Um, so I was fortunate that I was part of that because we helped each other on. Um, and, you know, you only have to look at, at what those players, you know, that mentioned went on to, you know, uh, the careers that they went on to have so yeah it was uh, it was a dream come true you know it's you know cliche dream come true but you know you're signing for the club that you grew up supporting I, I supported Man United because my dad was a Man United fan my dad supported Man United because of George Best and the Northern Ireland link there so that's how it all it all started for me in terms of being the, the United fan Mark says uh, Keith I asked Steve Howie about his experience with the genius Peter Beardsley what were your first impressions of Peter when you saw him in training Ah, oh, just absolutely incredible. I, the first thing I actually thought, I think Peter was about 32 or 33, maybe when I came to the club and, you know, just seeing him in training, seeing him in games. And I was like thinking, this guy's 33. You know, how good must he have been, you know, six, seven years previous to that? Because he was one of them. He just, you know, seemed to get better and better. Uh, absolute joy to play with. Um yeah, I, I had a great relationship with him as well. Um, you know, for me and probably many Newcastle players or fans, in terms of the players that have played for Newcastle, most, Peter Beardsley is is number one for a lot of players or a lot of fans in terms of players that have ever played for the club. That goes to show you, you know, what a player he was. He was he was an absolute genius. Yeah, my favourite player of all time uh, as a Newcastle fan, Peter Beardsley. Uh, big watcher of the show as well, thanks. Uh, and, and just if you're on Twitter, uh, please don't get sucked in by the at Peter Beardsley zero account. It is a fake account. Please just report it. Uh, unfortunately, these people who uh, have no more time on their hands than uh, you know to, to make these things up, try to suck people in. And um, they actually used a clip of Peter uh, of him wishing the show happy birthday from the other day on the account to make it look as if it was a genuine an account so please report the account it is a fake uh, I've seen a lot of people uh, read me tweet and uh, retweet it and report the account so great stuff please keep up the good work Newcastle fans and while I'm on that I have another social media request of uh, Malapeg uh, now you should be able to read that at home but I've got a big version which I will read out here and um, it's just a shout out to the Newcastle football family Noel Renton who is 71 is a Newcastle fan he's a lifelong Toon fan since living in Stanhope Street next to St James's Park when he was a young lad He's a, he was a season ticket holder in level 7 in the Melbourne until last year when due to ill health he had to reluctantly give up his season ticket he's been in Ward 31 of the RVI Newcastle since mid-January fighting pneumonia and Covid uh, Mala says we need him to fight this and it suggested messages, cards uh, forum support can be shown messages put on a forum prayers, songs, literally anything just to get the spirits up to fight this his close family need the football family support can you help in some way well we've done our bit there um, if anybody wants to send a card to uh, Noel Renton Ward 31 on the RVI in Newcastle then please do um, obviously uh, it's, it's tragic this we're hearing this time and time again of people struggling and different situations and things happening so please uh, you know if you can and you can spare the spare the time please send them a card uh, Keith Roll asks a question what was it like playing with Graham Souness and winning the League Cup at Blackburn Keith? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I had the greatest relationship with, with Graham Souness. Um, he was a strange character for me. Um, it, it did improve, um, you know, over the years. Uh, but certainly at times, the beginning when he came in, you know, there'd be times he'd walk past you in, in, in the morning, you know, as you come into the training ground, and he wouldn't even say good morning to you. 
you know, so that was a strange one for me. But uh, fortunately, I, I played my way into his plans. We we had been relegated to the championship, and then we got promoted. Um, and we had a great season back in the in the Premier League. I think we finished sixth, qualified for Europe, and and won the the, the Worthington Cup. So I had the disappointment of of the '98 final against Arsenal when it, when I missed out with injury uh, for Newcastle. Um, so to actually then play in a final and get a winner's medal um, w- w- was great. It was a great day out at, at the Millennium back then. Um, you know, you you want to when you're in a cup final, <laughs> you want to win it. You know. The, it's not a place to be for losers. Um, I, I, as I say, I, I was there at Newcastle when we lost the '98 final to Arsenal. Although even just watching it, you know, it was it was a horrible place to be. Um, you know, we didn't really turn up that day, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was great in, in terms of winning some silverware. Uh, great day. My family were there, which was great as well. So yeah, it was uh, it was some it was a day I sort of look back on with a with a lot of fondness. Uh, Graham says, "Hi Keith, what do you th- uh, what do you think of the future of Newcastle at the present? I mean, the takeover we've, you know, we, we, we never expected a year on when we yeah. probably chatted February March last year that we'd still be talking about this bloody takeover." Well, exactly. It, it all hinges on that. You know, if you if you get a takeover, then the goalposts change. You know, but at the minute, if that doesn't happen, you're not going to see Mike Ashley going out and spending money um, to improve the side. You know, as I say, he's happy enough in terms of staying in the Premier League. But if there was a takeover to happen, you only have to look at what happened to Man City um, when when the big money came in for them. You know, you look at look at where they are now, um, and if somebody comes in and they have a lot of money and uh, an endless pit of money, and they want to buy Newcastle and they want to invest and they want to bring in, you know, big names, players to improve. You know, the sky's the limit for for a place like Newcastle. Because for me, it's it's a no brainer in terms of you know the size of the club, the fan base. You know, it it is a no brainer, um, and hopefully, hopefully, it will happen sooner rather than later. But as I said, as you say, Steve, it's 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 dragged on too long. Yeah, it has. It's uh, become a nightmare for Newcastle fans uh, throughout the pandemic, having to deal with this as well. So let's hope that the next few weeks brings a, a conclusion to that. Stu Penman says, Hi lads, post-takeover, who would Keith realistically think Newcastle's uh, Newcastle marquee signing that would re-announce our name on the world stage again? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's theoretical, but if the takeover goes through, you know, Man City, if you remember, it was Rubinho, I think, marquee. Yeah. Um, you know, what? who would you like to see? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of big... Big names actually going to be out of contract uh, this summer, so we might not have to spend a fortune. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there's some great players out there. You know, yeah. Look, for for me, probably the best player in the Premier League at the minute, and and has been this season, is Jack Grealish. Everyone's talking about Jack Brilliant. Grealish. He's he's a credible player. Um, you know, if a if a big takeover happened, would Jack Grealish come to Newcastle? Would he think it was? You know, a big enough step up because of where Newcastle's been over the years. I don't know, but you know, for me, you know, he's the sort of player that Newcastle fans would love. Um, he's he's been incredible this season, and, and you know, fair play to him as well because I'm sure he had the opportunity to leave Aston Villa at the end of the season. I'm sure there was plenty of clubs interested in him. He's a local boy, and he's he stayed there, and he, he's reaping the awards because they're they're a side who are really enjoyable to watch as well. Aston Villa and, and it shows you know what can happen if you get a few players in you make the right signings because that's a side that, that was nearly down at the end of last season and now you look at them how they perform this season because they bring in you know an Ollie Watkins they bring in Barkley you know a few other players you know it's a, it's a different side yeah, no, it def- definitely is. Uh, Jeff says, "What football do you watch these days, Keith? I mean, are you a are you a big foreign football watcher? Or I mean, obviously you watch Man United. I presume you've just watched their game today." Yeah, no, I mean, I suppose like everybody, you're watching every game at the minute, <laughs> you know, because there's been so much football on. I wouldn't be a, a great watcher of any of the foreign leagues. You know, I'd watch the Premier League. That's probably about it. You know, we've we've sort of been quite spoiled because the way they space out these games that you've got games you know four games a day at times because uh, then the tomorrow you know your games tomorrow night and uh, I suppose Tuesday you've got back to Champions League Wednesday Champions League Thursday Europa League you know so we've been quite fortunate and that there's been plenty of football to watch but you know I, I think like anybody you know we want fans back watching it because it, it is not the same watching it and you know I, I, I watch some games sometimes and I think 
this game could be 4-3 and you still wouldn't get that excited about it, you know, because there is no fans in. Um, you know, so that's that's disappointing. But as I probably do watch a lot more. I probably watch a lot more football than, than I did ever uh, because, you know, you're, sort of, you're stuck at home and there's nothing else to do. So it sort of passes the time for you. David says, uh, would you say that Kevin got the best out of you as a player? I, I, I would say so. Um, you know, the style of football we played was just suited to me. Um, I remember at times where, you know, you're venturing back to to help, you know, defensively, and he's telling you to get back up the pitch <laughs> because we wanted to, we, we, we wanted to, you know, be on the front foot. We want to, you know, our forward-thinking players to be as far up the pitch as possible. So, yeah, especially the early parts of the 95-96 season, it was really disappointing to get injured that time because I was definitely playing the best football of my career. Um, I was providing plenty of goals, popping up with the odd goal here and there, and, and the team was flying. So it is it is a big regret of many, many of that squad, looking back in terms of how did we not win that league. You know, that is something that you know, will haunt us forever uh, because of the, the position we put ourselves in. But, you know, I, I think at the start of that season, I think if you asked any Newcastle fan, if we were to, if you were to say, we've got a chance of winning the league on the last day of the season, would you take it? They would have definitely took it. But in terms of how it panned out, in terms of the points ahead we were, you know, there is that sort of sadness, you know, linked to it because we didn't get over the line. Jason says, do you wish you'd played for Sir Bobby Robson? I do. Uh, you know, speaking to, to players, you know, like Shea and obviously the, the late, great Gary Speeds, who I played with again at Sheffield United, speaking to the likes of Alan, you know, who, who just loved playing with, with Sir Bobby. Rob Lee loved playing under Sir Bobby. Um, and, you know, he's a proper journey as well, you know, in terms of that's his club. He wanted the best for his club. Um, I think looking back in terms of when they got rid of him, you know, it's it's incredible that they actually got rid of him when they did. Um, absolute genius. Um, you know, big name manager managed England in a World Cup, and he came back to to Newcastle where he did a he did an incredible job. You know, in getting to the Champions League again. Um, yeah, so he's certainly one that I would have would have loved to have played under. Uh, David says, which were the most physical defenders that tried to knock you out of your stride when they could catch you? <laughs> I think the obvious one's probably Stuart Pearce. I think Pearce, would, he was sort of one who would encourage you to kick him back. But I think that was so that then the next time you got it, he would kick you even harder. Um, he was a real tough, tough defender. Um, and I was delighted to actually see I didn't have to play with him when he signed for Newcastle. Um, although I did have to come up against him in training sometimes. But he was a great pro and a great left back. One of, one of the great left backs of the Premier League. Um, you know, so he was probably probably the toughest. James Brown says, uh, were there any concerns about spies being at Maiden Castle? I mean, obviously it was <laughs> it was wide open. He says, and also, what's your favourite memory from uh, training there? Yeah, um, no, we never even thought about spies back then. I think Kevin was was great in terms of, you know, the football club. It's it's the fans' club. That's the way he treated it. He wanted the fans in there. He wanted, you know, the, them to be able to get up up close and personal with you. You know, I remember coming into, you know, school holidays, 6,000 down there, you know, and it was absolute mayhem, but it was it was great because, you know, there was so much buzz about the place at the time. Um, Kevin, you know, he made sure that you were there until you signed every single um, autograph that was asked or took every picture, and everybody, you know, did that. Um, so it was great in terms of, you know, Kevin wanting the fans up close and personal. You know, now they can't get close to them. And that, that's a sad thing, um, you know, because, you know, there'd be times where, you know, you'd get half a, half a dozen people down there, you know, on a on a wet, cold morning. But, you know, they still had the opportunity to, to go and watch training and see what, you know, the life of a professional footballer was all, all about. Uh, you know, and Kevin, in terms of the way Kevin's relationship with the fans was the best to see in terms of a manager and fan relationship. Life Gold says, was there ever a point you considered staying at Manchester United instead of uh, coming to Newcastle? No, well, I, I, as I mentioned before, you know, I had this the conversation with Sir Alex Ferguson um, and then I watched the game and then I went to him after the game and I made my mind up. Um, I just thought it was, it was too good an opportunity for me to turn down. 
you know, coming to a club like Newcastle, who, as 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 I've said, you know, I'd, I'd seen it firsthand um, in terms of being at St James's uh, to play in the League Cup and, and playing against them and seeing their seeing their fans and seeing what they were all about. Um, you know, so I just thought it was too good an opportunity to work under somebody like Kevin Keegan and the fact that, you know, Kevin, you know, kept reiterating that the deal would never happen if he didn't get me. That shows, you know, it showed a lot of love for me because he really wanted me on board. Um, and as I say, sold the club to me in no time. Yeah, OK. Uh, would you ever consider coming back to St James's Park if a takeover took place and they were looking for somebody to, to come in in some capacity? <laughs> I don't think that's a role for me. I'm not... Uh, I Social manager? <laughs> I could I could cope with that one. There'd be no bother with that. But in terms of the other side of things, you know, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying actually doing the football agency work that I'm that I'm involved in now. Um, it's obviously a lot lot tougher at the minute because we're obviously going through a pandemic. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. We just have to uh, have to get on with it. But as I say, hopefully this takeover does happen and Newcastle can get get back up there where they belong. What was your favourite pub? Says Mark Byers in Newcastle. Um. I was. I, I really liked the Quilted Camel. Uh, I liked Jimmy's. Um, Martha's was was a favourite of mine too. There's, you're probably there's probably not one that wasn't my favourite. Um, <laughs> Julie's was obviously the, the nightclub that uh, we sort of went into the most. So yep, that was. Uh, it was great times, you know, where you you were out and about, the clubs doing well, and you're interact interacting again with fans, and and you know that was uh, that was a real special time. Yeah, was Lee Taylor says uh, if you could play do, with. Do you want me to turn a turn a light on here, Steve? It's yeah, go on, to, Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did notice you were getting slightly dark. Yeah, sorry, two sacks. Join us tomorrow anyway for uh, Match Day Live. We will be back tomorrow night. Um, we're covering the match uh, from about quarter past seven. So uh, welcome back, Keith. Yeah, um, yeah. Just, just that question there. If you could play with any Newcastle player, past or present, apart from those who were at the club when you were there, who would it be? Past or present, wow. Um, I think you probably got to look at somebody like Gaza. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, an, an absolute genius. Um Obviously, very sad in terms of what's happened to him over the years, and hopefully, he's in a he's in a good place now. Uh, because you know, you look at what he achieved. Um, I think you know, my hero growing up was was Brian Robson, um, and I've always heard Brian Robson ask the question, "Who the best player he played with?" And he always says Gaza. Mm. You know, and Brian Robson played with a few good players over the years. So when he says Gaza, you know, that's good enough for me. Yeah, it's funny. I've just listened to uh, Gaza's podcast with uh, James English. Great interview. If anybody's got time, check out James English on YouTube. Gaza did uh, two hours with him the other day, and uh, he was talking about Brian Robson as well. But that was his hero. So, uh, yeah, well worth a listen. Uh, some great stories, as you would imagine, from Paul. And if you uh, want to watch an evening with Paul Gascoigne, check out our playlists. Uh, we've got one on there when he was interviewed a few years ago, 10 years ago now with Joe Allen. Uh, Mark Tulip says, uh, Keith, if you stayed at Man United, do you think you could have broken into that squad and become a regular? Well, as, as I say, you know, I was I was playing here and there um, before that Sheffield United game, you know, in the FA Cup where I got told about the proposed transfer to come to Newcastle. I'd played the previous few games, so I was getting, you know, a bit of game time um, at the time at Kinshelsk was in front of me. I mentioned before that Alex Ferguson tried to bring me back, so I assume he was bringing me back to play me. So you know, it's all it's all hearsay. Um, mm. You know, I Alex Ferguson had actually rang me and, and and said that he was you know putting a bid in to bring me back, and the club never told me about it. You know, you could have had sort of. I'm sure there's certain players, individuals over the years who, if they had known about you know a proposed deal, they'd be knocking on a manager's door. That wasn't something I did. Um, I knew the bid was put in because um, Gary Neville happened to tell me because Peter, who who was uh, close with um, with Kevin, obviously, um, Peter told Gary Neville on on England duty. So, you know, players would go and knock manager's door. Uh, that wasn't my sort of scene. And then the ninety five ninety six season happens, starts. You know, so I would never change anything. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, John Poole says, Keith, we all know Schools is regarded as one of the best midfielders of his generation, but is it true that Nicky uh, Nicky Butt used to be the star midfielder at uh, youth level? Yeah, I think Nicky was was one of those. He was probably a little bit, 
you know, advanced in terms of physique than the rest of us. Um, you know, he was a strong, strong lad. He was a box to box midfielder. Um, you know, so he was probably, you know, well in advance of us of us all. Uh, Paul Scholes, the ninety, the youth cup team that won, we won in nineteen ninety two. Paul Scholes couldn't get in that team. You know, he was probably a little bit smaller and just hadn't developed like like the rest of us, and especially Nicky. So yeah, Nicky was probably the, the star of that show, and I think he was probably one of the first to actually, you know, go and make his debut for the first team. Yeah, great player as well. Some fantastic yeah. players came through that time. Andy Gibson says, how many times do you think you fell over after putting a cross in? We've had this, be- <laughs> we've had this before, haven't we? But I mean, it, it was something I remember you doing, but I mean, it's just probably the momentum in that, was it? Yeah, it was. It, it seemed to be like a trademark sort of thing where I was always sort of sliding to get crosses in. Um, you know, my, my first thought as soon as I got the ball was try and get to the byline and get it in. If I had to slide it to do it, all, all and well, uh, all good and well. But um, you know, as I say, when you got people in the middle like like we had, you know, you do your utmost to, to get the ball in the middle. And most of the times, so I was fortunate that those boys would get on the end of them. Yeah, fantastic uh, memories of, of that. Keith Roll says, uh, "Well done on your book, How Not to Be a Millionaire." Uh, I read this book uh, first lockdown last year. It's a fantastic read and a, new, a unique biography. If anybody wants to buy that. Uh, you can get that on uh, Amazon still. Philip Shuttleworth says, my favourite home game against Barcelona, I was there. Would you have liked to have played for Rangers or Celtic, given the chance? Yeah, um, possibly Rangers. Um, you know, it's, you're either Rangers or Celtic in Northern Ireland, and, and it was Rangers for me. So, yeah, I think probably I would, um, you know, because I think in terms of the, the huge following they have back here in Northern Ireland, um Obviously, sad in terms of what happened to the Rangers, but now, you know, they've got they've got everything together now in terms of they're going to win the league again, which is which is fantastic. But yeah, but it would have been a club that, you know, I, I had the option of, of signing for um, as a young lad. It was the choice Man United or Rangers, but you know, Man United was was my first team, so it was a no brainer for me. Life goals just says, was there any truth in the rumor Man United wanted you back? Yep, well, mentioned that before. Yeah, they put a they bid four million back in nineteen ninety five. So, yep, but as I say, I wouldn't have changed anything for the world. Um, you know, the four years I had at, at Newcastle were, you know, were incredible and great for me to look back on with, with you know, so much pride. John Poole says, who was the most underrated player that you've played with? He was always a fan of Eric Neveland, who left Man United but had a good spell at Fulham a few years later. Yeah, I. I in terms of, I don't know whether he was under really underrated, but you know he he was a better when he came to the club. I didn't realize how good he was, and that was that was David Batty. Um, you know, people just thought he was a player who could, you know, win the ball and give it, but he he could pass it too, left foot, right foot. Um, really good lad to have around the dressing room, very chirpy. Um, you know, so he was one. I think. I think one of the un, the most underrated players probably Newcastle's ever had. You know, as a teammate of mine for Northern Ireland, Aaron Hughes. Aaron was seven eight out of ten every week, um, and I was amazed when Newcastle got rid of him. Uh, absolutely fantastic player who who could play anywhere. He, I remember him playing one time in, in a man to man marking job on. On Steve McManaman in in the a League Cup game, I think it was at St James's, and he was absolutely outstanding. But he could play anywhere along the back, and and one of the one of the best pros I've ever played with. Yeah, he was absolutely superb, wasn't he? Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, Mr. Versatility, well, I had yeah. a couple of them. Steve Watson was exactly the yeah. same as well, wasn't he? Exactly. Yeah, Steve was unfortunate because his versatility probably went against him a lot of the time. You know, you 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 look at that game against Barcelona, you know, and and. Watto's playing, you know, as a centre half. Yeah, that's right. Unbelievable, you know, isn't it? Yep, yeah, and he was fantastic that night. You know, so I think some it's it's great to be versatile, but sometimes that can go go against you, and it probably went against Watto, you know, a, a bit more than than it would others. Yeah. Last question to Phil Davison. We've hit the hour. Uh, does Keith think we have enough to avoid relegation? Oh, definitely. Uh, just to. Just in the fact that I, I can't see the teams below picking up the points. Uh, I know we're sitting fourth bottom at the minute, but um, yeah, I can't see any of those three getting the points needed. Um, and with Newcastle having to play them as well, you know, you take you take points off them. 
then it, it really is difficult for them. So, yeah, I think they will. I think we're quite fortunate in that there is three teams worse than us uh, yeah, because I'll, we I'll have be. been poor this season. Definitely. If you're a first-time visitor to the channel, please subscribe. Hit the little box in the bottom right-hand corner. Click the little thumb to like today's video and uh, click share to share it to Twitter and to Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, Keith, been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Apologies Cheers, we didn't get Tino. We did try. Um, <laughs> he turned up unannounced the other day when we were interviewing Nobby, so um, maybe he'll uh, turn up again uh, the next time we'll get you on. We'll try again next time, but uh, for now, you stay safe. Look forward to seeing you again very, very soon, Keith. Take care. Cheers. Thanks, Steve. God bless you. Bye-bye. Cheers, man.